uh, it's not as easy as just saying, oh, there's somebody named the Prince of Peace, therefore, I am going to experience peace in my life. I've, I've told the story here before of how I fell personally into a hole of anxiety, and it would happen actually around the holiday season. It was, it was one Christmas, um, a few years removed now, and had what could probably de- be described as a panic attack that almost took me, took me out. At that point in my life, um, I was the, uh, the lone parent. Deanna was in medical school at the time, and, and so uh, um, I was there, and I can remember, you know, everything was just... Um, like making, making macaroni and cheese for dinner seemed overwhelming. Some of you have been there, right? And, and so at that point in my life, not only did I know Jesus, but I had committed my life to him. And not only had I committed my life to Jesus, but I was following him. And not only was I following him, I, I, I was serving him. And not only was I serving Jesus, but I was a leader in our district of Foursquare Church as a pastor helping other pastors and leaders to tell other people about Jesus. But yet, for some reason, I didn't have the peace of God operational in my life. So today, we're just understanding that even though the idea of peace and the person of peace is in the midst today, it's possible that somebody in one of these gatherings this morning may not be experiencing peace in your life right now. And, and, and that's the step that we want to take today, that, that, that's, that there's two ideas that we want to bridge together. When we sing Silent Night, and we've already done that as, as part of the Christmas season here at Destiny, everybody here knows the lyrics, right? We sing it every holiday season. Say it with me. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. You know the rest? You getting nervous yet? <laughs> Round yon version, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. You take it. Sleep in heavenly peace. So, Man, when that moment comes at the, the, the Christmas gathering, um, you know, Christmas Eve gathering, for me, it's always such a moment. You know, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. But, but what, we talked about this last week. Wait a minute. We, we sing this song, but it wasn't calm on the night that Jesus was born. We established that, had that conversation last week. It was one of the least peaceful nights um, that you could imagine to have a kid. And, and secondly... Secondly, you know this round yon virgin mother and child idea, it's a little bit neat <laughs> in the song. I mean, how many of you who have experienced labor, there's, there's never been a birthing moment like that in history, <laughs> has there? Now, now, I understand we're in an Instagram generation and somehow magically, you know, minutes after the, uh, the birth, the, the, the mother is looking all glowing and beautiful. <laughs> the baby's now 20 minutes later, they look phenomenal. It wasn't so much a silent night, most likely, and you can bet that it probably wasn't always calm. And so we have no idea whether anybody slept in heavenly peace that night or not. Uh, that baby may have cried all night long. Mary might have been thinking, you know, all night long, I am alone. I'm here with Joseph, of course. Joseph's a cool guy, but hey, it's me and him and a baby in a cave. <laughs> and so I, I don't know how much heavenly peace was actually going on, but the promise of the moment the promise from heaven, from God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among men on whom his favor rests. So there was something about that night, that moment, that baby 
what he was going to grow up to be and grow up to do that could establish peace for you, uh, for me, with God and with the people around you, and ultimately put the entire world back together in the state of the shalom or flourishing that we talked about last week, that God intended for us. It's his standard. And so... This is the calling card of our Savior. Listen to what he says in John's Gospel, chapter 14. And if you can, please stand with me as, we, as a way of honoring God's opening words to us this morning. I'll read it to you. You can follow along. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then he comes with this promise in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And the, the phrase that I skipped over there, it's a key phrase in the text that we're going to be looking at today. He says, not as the world gives. This is peace not as the world gives. And in other words, whatever the world is telling you today, you know, if, if uh, you, know, you can get the girl or the guy or get the relationship, if you can have the baby, if you can fix the circumstance, if you can get the job and get ahead, then that, everything's going to resolve for you into this state of peace. He says, no, this peace that I'm offering is not like the world gives. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we just thank you for your word. And God, we just pray shalom, peace, your kind of peace in this place today. In your mighty name we pray. We want to hear your word. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So after the resurrection, Jesus appears to his followers in John 20. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They had the doors locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, these are the first words to his followers after the resurrection. So you're thinking, as he's getting ready to say these things, man, what is he going to say, right? This is what you're thinking. So he shows up, and he comes through the door. Actually, he doesn't come through the door. The door is locked. And another, and another uh, uh, writer, an author, says he went through the wall, and he appears there. He shows up, comes through the door, where his followers are locked. They've locked themselves in. And what does he say? He said, that was impressive, wasn't it? No, he didn't say that. <laughs> He walks in, and the first words that Jesus speaks to them post-resurrection is, peace be with you. Peace be with you. This is the Prince of Peace who died to give us peace with God and to give us a platform by which we can have peace with each other. And he's alive today, and he's risen from the dead, ascended into heaven so that we can continue to offer shalom to you. And he offers shalom to me in our lives. But if this is the calling card of Jesus and the work of Jesus, why are so many of us living without it? Why are so many of us without peace? And how do you get it if it's even possible? That's the questions we're talking about this morning. Well, I think to answer the first question, it's pretty simple. A few reasons why we're living without peace. There are a lot of, of reasons that we could bring up in the room this morning. We're going to just highlight a few. Because what we're going to need to do today, listen, what we are going to need to do today is take action. In this message at some point, and in most messages, at some point you're going to need to move from being a hearer of God's word to a doer. 
And so at some point, you're going to need to come off of the seat where you're sitting at this morning going, let's see what God has to say to me today. And you're going to have to respond to that. I'm going to have to start taking charge of the peace quotient in my life. And, and to do that, you're going to have to add some things and maybe subtract some things from your life. So why is peace missing? I'll tell you a few reasons if you're following along. Uh, you can take notes on the back side of your bulletin. The first thing this morning, one, we have instant access to all the anti-shalom. We have instant, that, that sin comes like a wrecking ball into the world. That, that, that's one of the reasons that we don't have peace. Anytime, day or night, we have instantaneous access to all of the anti-shalom on planet Earth. If sin either wrecks into the Earth um, with a tidal wave or an earthquake uh, or a tsunami or a forest fire, we, we have instant access. We can watch the live feed no matter where it is in the world, live updates happening uh, on Twitter, um, on the news channels, on our, on, our, on our social media. If someone does harm to somebody, we have instantaneous access and awareness of that everywhere in the world. A second reason that we don't have peace is because of this instantaneous access. They say the world is shrinking, and, but our anxiety is expanding. Our anxiety is expanding because not only do we have this instantaneous access to anti-shalom all of the time and everywhere, but we're also left to compare ourselves and our circumstances and our situation with, with other people's very best. And that's one of the reasons a lot of us don't have peace. We're sitting here. And we're looking at our life, and you know our kids got food in their hair, and it's all over the new piece of furniture that we just got, and you know, we're losing our minds, and we're thinking, you know, I'm gonna have to go and take a nap, hallelujah, it is nap time, and then all of a sudden, right before we do, we whip out our phone, we get on Instagram, and some other family, some other family has all of their kids in matching outfits and they're going out to the forest to chop down a tree because they have an amazing father. <laughs> and he picks up that tree on his back and they go to their brand new Jeep which has one of those red bows on it and it's glittering. <laughs> and and what they, where they, they're going to put it on top and, and you're looking over at your husband and your kids and they're scraping the mashed potatoes off of the wall. And you just think to yourself, oh, <laughs> right? The third reason that we don't have peace is because of this shrinking world, you can be evaluated at any moment. In real time, by people that you do know and people that you don't know. Oh, so you put that spice in your apple pie. Oh, is that a good idea? Well, I'm just praying for you that the Rose of Sharon <laughs> will speak into your life and the Prince of Lilies of the Valley will come down and speak shalom into your world. And you're like, thank you so much for that. Uh, peace be with you. Who are you? <laughs> right? A fourth reason that we don't have peace is because there's no off button in the shrinking world. Um, I've heard there was a time. I've heard. Us younger people have to go and look it up and Google it to verify this. But there used to be a time when somewhere around the end of night, maybe like 11.30, the TV would go out. It would be like off air, every channel, off air, off air, off air, everybody's off air. There's just snow on the TV until tomorrow. And, and I mean, there was a time, I believe, where they just said, we're done, good night, <laughs> signing off. And when you went to your bed, if you didn't have a corded phone in your room, 
or have a long enough cord to go into your sister's bedroom door, <laughs> there wasn't any texting, there wasn't any surfing online, there wasn't any you know, going on Facebook, no Instagram to check, no access to the other side of the world, no email, just real mail. <laughs> and, and maybe there wasn't more peace back then, at, but, but at least there weren't so many enemies beating down the door. And yet, into this, God speaks. Into that, God speaks. And God always speaks into the crazy, doesn't he? It happens all the time in scripture. And so into your crazy town, whatever that looks like, God is speaking again today, and he is not dismayed, let me say, by our circumstances or the culture that we live in. It's not that he's like, oh, it's, you know, it's 2019 now, so I need to get with the program. I need to just pick up the pace just a little bit and get with the hustle and bustle a little bit and lower my expectations about what I said on night one. It's not like that. It's not like that, that there, there would be peace on earth among men, and I just need to sort that out or water that down to the reality of the new world order. Nope. He says, I am still speaking peace into the world today, and here's my promise. Look at this. Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything. Some of you just need to hang on that for just a little bit this morning, just that first phrase coming out this morning. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it doesn't even make sense. Why do I have peace right now? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and what? And the God of peace will be with you, will be with you. Yeah, and so there is an offer on the table today. Hear me, don't miss this. There is an offer on the table today, a possibility for being anxious about no thing. No thing. Yet praying about everything and having a peace that is bigger than what we can even understand. Some of you have experienced that. You've gone through something really, really tough. And right into the middle of that, there was a peace beyond your understanding. You don't even know where it came from. That was Holy Spirit. Peace that passes understanding beyond human comprehension, literally taking up the post of protection over our hearts and guarding our minds, it says, in Christ Jesus, that the peace of God is not just fluttering in like a cute little angel. He's it's more like a soldier coming into your world saying, I'm here to stand guard over your heart. Do you see that in the scripture there? I'm going to guard your heart. That means all your feelings, everything that's trying to get at your feelings. He's saying, I'm going to stand over here and I'm going to guard your heart and your mind. You see that? And every crazy thought that's trying to get into your head I'm going to stay here and I'm going to stand guard. Peace, shalom. 
So in a relationship and an in-connectivity with Christ, this peace that passes understanding all human comprehension will guard your hearts and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. That's a possibility, and it's on the table this morning. And that is real, but you have to activate it in your life. And so how do you do that? Here we go. A few things. Number one, it's going to require reaching back into last week just a little bit. If you weren't here, we'll, we'll cover it. But it's that you recalibrate your construct of who Jesus is. Because the peace that guards our heart and our minds isn't a thing. It's not a thing. What guards our hearts and our minds is Christ Jesus. And I just want to look back at verse 7 again one more time. It says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, that kind of peace will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So if this is all happening in who he is and who Christ is, then we've got to really understand who he is. Now, where we started in our understanding of Christ for a lot of us, just reaching back um, to last week a, a little bit again, but for, for a lot of us, was right here on the flannel board. We've got any flannel board Sunday morning uh, peeps that you know you understand what this is. This is what happened before electricity. I understand that I've got an electric flannel board up on the screen this morning, but I'm just taking us a little bit back. And um, so if you came in around the flannel board area, you understand what's happening now. If you don't, you're like, what is going on? <laughs> um, and so um, they would say to the little kids, you know, we're gonna have a Bible story this morning and, and, and the disciples were out on the Sea of Galilee and you'd plop this on here and the kids would like go, whoa, did you see that? There's a boat on the water and they would go home to mom and dad and they'd tell them, mom and dad, we're going to this church. I mean, it is off the hook. There was a boat and there was a storm and, 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 and I mean, you just had to be there. <laughs> But we're going to this church. And so there's not, there's not a lot of uh, stuff happening. But, you know, let's say there's a storm coming. So then there's a cloud. <gasps> oh, oh, it's on backwards. <laughs> and so there's a storm. And oh, my goodness, a wave. And so they're telling this story. <laughs> and we see this, this picture start to form and the kids are just on the edge of their seats. There's a big storm cloud that came. They're telling mom and dad the story when they get back from church and everybody panicked, but then Jesus came walking on the water. Right. He's walking on the water. And Peter, who's a man of faith, he stepped out of the boat. And he's walking towards Jesus, and his eyes were on Jesus, mom and dad. Again, you just had to be there. You had to see it. But he's walking out on the water. But he got his eyes off of Jesus. He turned around to take a selfie with the guys on the boat. And when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he started falling. And shrinking, obviously. <laughs> I'm shrinking. <laughs> but it was okay. Because Jesus came over to him, walking on the water, and he carried Peter over to the boat. And Peter praised Jesus with arms outstretched. <laughs> and he said, you are an awesome God, and I give you my life, I worship you, 
Kids, you can walk on water today too. Shall we pray? And if you want to accept Jesus into your life today, and that's how it would go, right? Some of you are there and you're having a moment right now. Should we just stop and have an altar call right now? <laughs> so this is where some of us started. But then as we progressed and we outgrew the flannel board, this is what happened. Anybody recognize this Jesus? This is the Jesus that was in like every Sunday school classroom. And if it wasn't in the Sunday school classroom, um, it was probably in the, the room where the deacon or the board or the council met. <laughs> he was looking over everything that happened, right? And if there was a storm that come up in your life, we'd say, this is your guy. When you've got trouble, he's gonna be your guy right here. And I believe, here's the thing. I believe that we've gotta get in a zone where we actually experience peace, if we're gonna get there, somebody is gonna have to recalibrate your concept of Jesus because here's the thing, for a long time for us, if we can get down to some real talk this morning, Jesus was one dimensional for us. He was a character on a board or he's a historical or he's conceptual or maybe he's just this caricature. You know, and, and, and caricatures, listen, they don't help you when your husband walks out. Historical people and historical figures don't help you when your job vanishes. Or when a relationship dissolves or when your world is falling apart, when the pressure of a diagnosis is in your story. There's an unwanted pregnancy like there was on Christmas night or, or when whatever the situation is that you did not see coming and that you cannot imagine, that you cannot manage, that you cannot control, whether it's pressure inside or pressure from the outside, a caricature isn't going to help you. And, and so you say, well, I believe in Jesus. I was actually at the service last week, but I've got zero peace going on in my life right now. And somehow today, God has got to open our eyes and give us a revelation so that you can see a 3D, 4K Jesus. Someone who is a very real personality, who, who is moving through history with power, who is moving in this place this morning, with power, who is constantly with your last thought right there with you, but more advanced than ever you could ever imagine because he's already ahead of you into all of your thoughts that you're ever even gonna have. There is nothing that you can say or do that will trip up Jesus. You know, well, me and my buddies, we're gonna go and see Post Malone. You know, Jesus isn't gonna go, Post Malone, who is that? Because he could tell you everything about every fiber of Post Malone's being because he created everything that is. And so I think that there are just a lot of people floating around in Rapid City today saying, man, I'm out in the world and I'm doing amazing things. I think there are a lot of people around today running businesses out in the midst of culture and they're changing their world and their context in real time. And for a lot of us, Jesus is great as long as he's on the wall in a classroom somewhere looking nice and serene and oddly white. <laughs> and, and there he is, you know, with his hair absolutely 
completely perfect or he's over here in this context, you know, back in the day because we all love him when he saves the day in the flannel board story. But I'm telling you, he's real. He's real. He's the greatest person you'll ever going to know in your life. And one who's on board with everything that matters to you today. And he's running history because he conquered the grave. And he's coming back to this planet to restore shalom. Peace on earth. And he says he's coming back to restore it once for all at the end of the story. And you can put your trust in him. But the thing is, we've got to get him off of the wall and off of the flannel board and able to do that. The second thing that's going to happen if you're going to have this idea of peace in your life is that you've got to release your concerns to him. Now, so let me ask you, what concept do you have? What do you see when you see Jesus? How real is he? I mean, how far off the flannel board has Jesus come? (laughs) You understand what I'm asking? Is he as real to you as the person that's sitting right next to you right now? Or even more real than that? Until that is a reality, we've simply got an idol in our minds. And some one-dimensional Jesus isn't going to bring you 1% of peace. You've got to get somebody a little more mighty in your context and in your relationship to do that. And when you do that, you can release your concerns to him. Look at the text again. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Well, how do you do that? You can only do that by what comes in the next verse, which is, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So the only way that you can be anxious about no thing is if you're trusting God with everything. And you're not going to be trusting God with everything unless the person that you're in a relationship is with is somebody that can be trusted, right? And so 1 Peter 5 says it this way, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Anxiety in both texts is simply the word in the original language that means to pull apart. So listen, whatever is pulling you apart, whatever is pulling your peace apart, in your heart, apart in your mind, cast that or throw that, put it on the person of God, bring it to God. It says, cast them on me that we That's what we have in the text with every situation or in everything. By prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Take them to the highest authority, which I offer today is at the desk of the King of Kings, and rest it there. If something is making you anxious, something is robbing you of your shalom, you take that something and you don't stuff it down and say, well, I'm going to handle it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to do this. I can do it. But you take it to the desk of the king of the universe who you have access to through Jesus Christ and you let your request be made known to the king of the universe who you have access to. 
So you let your request be made known. And with petition, he says, which is specific, it's granular, it's detailed prayer or conversation with God. And he says, then add in the thanks, which says, I acknowledge you sitting at that desk. And Jesus, I praise you. I thank you. And I know this looks a little formal maybe in that picture there, but it's not like God is up there in the heavens with minions running around, you know, kind of his feet up on the desk. And he's saying, you know, hey, what's up? How's it going? What's your name again? Just put that on the desk and we'll take care of it. It's not that kind of thing. What I'm trying to formalize with this image is I'm trying to officialize the power and the authority of the throne that it is the last place and it is the highest place of authority. So not, not too many years ago, some of you have had this experience, but you know, you, you, you travel and you, you spend some time in the airports, but I was pretty up, high up uh, in my air traveler status uh, through Delta. I was working for the Gateway District of Foursquare, traveling around to different parts of the district and um, traveling around just enough to get some of that, um, you know, those first class perks for no extra cost. And um, so I started to know the airports and I, I, I knew exactly how far it was to the different gates, you know, in Denver and I spent a lot of time there. And, and have you ever been in a situation where you arrive to the terminal, you're coming off on a connecting flight and you're just a few minutes late and you know, it's after another flight has been delayed and your connecting flight is still there, but they have closed the door and you can see the plane. And there's that attendant who is just standing there at the door and you're like, I have my ticket. And she's, she's just ignoring you like you're not even there. <laughs> you ever had that experience? Like, I am on my way to somewhere I need to please talk to me. And she's like, um, I cannot talk to you right now. I am here. The plane is there. I can see it. It's like 100 yards off. <laughs> and you start wanting to, you know, pray for them in, the, in the, your, holy, your spiritual language. <laughs> Let me introduce you to Jesus right now. <laughs> And your response, you know, you're just going, you're just, you're losing our minds in every way possible. And all the way, I'm going to call her boss is what you start thinking. I'm going to call her, hey, I'm on the phone with your boss right now. You have some time to talk with me now. That's kind of what, what's going on through your head, right? But if your story goes like mine, a lot of times you sit down, you miss the flight, you get on another flight and everything is fine. You arrive at your destination, maybe a day late, but the world keeps on spinning. But the whole time, I'm just like you. I want to get my request higher up. I'm like somebody who's got to show up who has the power to help me out, right? I need to talk to your boss. I need somebody who can actually do something about meeting my need. I need to talk to the supervisor. I need somebody who can make a decision who's in charge to get me on that plane. You want to get your request up to the top. And what God is saying Here's an amazing idea that I want you to grab a hold of this morning is you can get your request all the way up to the top of the entire universe. As a son or a daughter of God, you can let your request be made known to God. It's not to Gabriel, not to Peter at the gates. You know, can you get a message to the king? No, your message goes all the way to God. And who's sitting at the desk? The Almighty is sitting at the desk. Who is sitting at the desk? Your Abba Father is sitting at the desk. Who is sitting at the desk? Somebody help me out this morning. The one who made peace, who brought peace, shalom, by offering Jesus Christ. That's who's at the desk. Somebody who's sitting at the desk this morning, it's our God who is loving and cares more about you than anything else on the planet. 
Pastor and author Tim Keller, he once said, if we knew what God knows, we would ask exactly for what he gives. Isn't that good? If we believe that he's almighty, if we believe that he's Abba Father, if we believe that he's made peace with us at the sacrifice of his own son, and if we believe that he loved us and we couldn't be separated from his love, and add to that, if we knew the whole Christmas story, that it's a story of salvation to the world, not just about a little happy peace moment for me in my life, but for everyone on the planet. To know that they can have peace with God. If we knew what God knew about everything, God knows we would ask for what God has given us. That we would have that kind of confidence that my request that I address to my Father in heaven has made it all the way up to the highest authority anywhere. I'm going to put my care on the desk of the only one who can do something about it. And then I trust who's at the desk. And that doesn't mean that I stop caring about it. It just means that I stop being anxious about it. Because I know where my request lands, so I'm releasing constantly, moment by moment, day by day, releasing more. More requests are coming. This is not like a one-time thing. There are requests of mine all over the desk of God this morning, <laughs> right, of the universe. And I'm trusting things to him in prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. I believe you. I trust you. You're big. You're mighty. You're powerful. And you can do something. But you also see more than I can see. So you understand more than I understand. So you're working different plans than maybe I would in this situation. But I'm going to get in touch with the authority. So I trust you. I believe you. The cross is always informing me that you are good and great and you turn bad things into great things. So I'm going to trust you and depending on you and I'm counting in you. Like it says in Psalm 23, your rod and your staff, it comforts me. And so I'm casting my cares. But then look at this. Not only do we release things to God, but we replace what has now been released with something else. So we're releasing our prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, what was making us anxious, and now we're taking on board. Look at what the text says. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So now I am not just saying I'm not going to worry about that because that's not how life works. You don't break a habit by breaking a habit. You break a habit by replacing it with another. And so you don't just stop worrying about things by stop worrying about them. You stop worrying about them when you start thinking about something else. And he's giving us all the things to be thinking about. So we're looking for a consistent way to put the things of God in our life. But if we don't have a plan for tomorrow, you're going to try to release, but you're not going to have a replace. And so the thing that you release is going to swim around and it's going to come back and go, hello. And you're going to say, no, I released you. And it's going to say back to you, I know. And we knew the way back because you don't have a replace plan in mind already. 
And so what you have to do is say, tomorrow, I'm going to meet with God. Tomorrow, I'm going to open up the word of God. I'm going to start reading the gospels. I'm going to read the Christmas story. Tomorrow, I'm going to start reading the Psalms. Tomorrow, I'm going to start listening to the scriptures in my car on the way to work. I have a replacement plan in mind. My anxiety is not going to stay, but I'm filling it with the word of God. I'm filling it with the knowledge and the peace that passes understanding. It's the Advent season. It couldn't be a better season to take an Advent journey. I have something that is making me anxious, but I'm going to replace it with something that God's given me, which is so much better. How about this verse? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So here's the thing that some of us are doing. You're watching your heart, and you're trying to guard your mind, and trying to guard your family, and your city, and your business, and your relationships, but you're not doing a good job. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So how do you sleep in heavenly peace? that we sing about every year, this time of year in this season, it's realizing that God guards your house. He guards your house, that God guards your family, that God guards your business, that God, even when you sleep, works on your behalf. And so the reflection is so powerful and beautiful. God is the giver. God gives to every creature what they need. Matthew says that a tiny sparrow does not fall from the sky without him noticing. You are his beloved, his son or daughter by faith in Christ. Trust your perfect father's heart. Trust him. He will give you exactly what you need. And as you seek him, he will even give you, scripture says, the desires of your heart. That's what you need going in your mind in the morning. Before you get the market update, before you check on your Facebook updates, you need to get the God Almighty update. <laughs> before you check your first text to see how quick you've got to get into work, you need to check the Almighty update. See who's really running the world. Before your notification opens and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot, I gotta be at, across the town like in, in 10 minutes, you need to check in with the God of the universe. And maybe you need to, like we talked about as part of our habit series, develop a, a hang time, a regular habit of hanging out and spending time with God, a reading plan that you put into practice in your life, maybe some soap journaling with your friends, doing it creatively and keeping it um, interesting, developing that rhythm in your life of relationship with the Father God. And then lastly, you need company. We need us. I don't know if I'm gonna run out of ways to say it, but I'm gonna keep on saying it. <laughs> we need us. Motivational speaker Jim Rohn, Rohn sorry, famously said that we are the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. He's saying it a different way, but we learned this truth when we went through the book of Proverbs. This relates to the law of averages, which is the theory that the result of any given situation will be the average of all the outcomes. And so when it comes to relationships, we are greatly influenced, whether we like it or not, by those that are closest to us. And it affects us, affects our way of thinking, it affects our self-esteem, it affects our decisions, and you know what it affects? It affects our peace. It affects our peace. So we 
are more affected by our environment than we think. So you've got to ask the question, the people that I'm hanging out with, are they talking about what's true? Do they talk about what's noble? Do they talk about what's right and pure and lovely and admirable? The five people that I spend the most time with in my life, are they talking about excellent and praiseworthy things? I need to get in the company of people who know the Prince of Peace. Who know that Jesus is not one-dimensional and who can remind me of God's word, can remind me of the sovereign plan, who can encourage me. Your request is on the desk of the Almighty King. You can lay down tonight and you can know that the king is offering shalom, a flourishing. Shalom, the word used in scripture for peace, most of the time that you see it, what it means is a flourishing. And he's going to give you what you need. Amen. I wanted to close this morning, if we could, just by singing that chorus, just as a way of worship this morning.
we just invite the Prince of Peace again into our world, God. The real, raw, in the flesh Jesus who opens up the heavens and says, cast your cares upon me. God, give us the strength and the ability and the will to do that in this season and in every season, God. That the peace that passes understanding your standard for how we are to live in a flourishing of heaven. We want to walk in that and live in that. In your mighty name.